Well, good morning. Good morning. I feel pushed up against the wall here. I've got to fix this. Um, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, the beginning of chapter 2 for the first four verses. As I entitled, Why Secure Yourself to Christ? I, I'm hoping that becomes evident uh, as we move through the text this morning. Um, this, is a te- this is a text that uh, actually is one of the first of several warnings uh, that are spread throughout the book of, uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, as we come to this one, uh, it's kind of, I think it's a kind of an appropriate place for, an award, for a warning. And we, we're going to have to understand the warnings when we go through them. It's not really talking to save people. It's talking to those people who are sitting in the congregation, listening to the gospel, but are not hearing it and are not responding. Uh, that's really, uh, really the thrust of who the author is speaking to. And, and, and we need to kind of keep that in mind as we're going to it. I mean, I know there are those who who come from the other camp, from, come from another camp that think you can lose your salvation, so they would point to this in a whole different direction. But that's not where the author is trying to go. And as we go through these warning passages, they get increasingly important in that, in, 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 in talking about uh, uh, the, the, the importance of acting upon the gospel, not just listening to it. And that's, uh, that's the, kind of the thrust here this morning is he's going to give three reasons why you need to secure yourself to Christ, and then he's going to give three witnesses uh, to the fact that what he has said is, is official, I guess you could say. The, uh, the big two key words as we come through this particular text this morning are drift and neglect. Those are, those are the two key words as we, as we come through, the, through the, the text. The author has demonstrated that Christ is better, uh, better than angels, so now he's going, to, he's going to begin a section, and he starts it off with a warning about the salvation that Christ offers, how it's better than any other salvation. Well, it's the only salvation. That's the, the whole point. Uh, John uh, fourteen six. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and it's a salvation that includes uh, uh, tasting death, uh, on Christ's behalf in chapter two, verse nine, he's going to talk about that. And, and it's for, he did it, he did it for everyone, everyone who will be saved. He did that for, uh, and before he develops the thought, uh, the author is, uh, is going to give this warning about not drifting nor neglecting. Um, the, the, the text is going to deal with this whole concept of, of neglecting what has been said and a failure to act upon it. That's really the key here. It's a failure to act. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, a, it's a failure to act upon what has been heard is, is, what, he's going to, is what he's going to stress as we go through this. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. And that's really the thrust of this warning as, as, he, uh, as he goes through it. So before we get into the text this morning, me and this are having trouble here. Uh, um, are there any, any prayer requests this morning? Yeah, um, I don't know if all of you know her. There's a, a friend of ours that came with us from Grace Community who's been coming. Uh, her name is Ava De La Costa. Um, she, uh, she slipped and fell last week and broke her leg and is going to be laid up for a while. So um, if you could keep her in prayer, we would appreciate it. Surgery on Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday? Okay, it's on Tuesday. She's in, yeah, they're going to have to operate on it. So, 
Anyway, if you could if you could remember her, we would appreciate that. I'm going to ask I'm going to ask Ed uh, since it's his birthday today. We're going to, but first I'm going to ask him to pray, and then we're going to sing. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come together like this and, and study it and learn from you. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would be with us all of our hearts and minds to what your word has to say. For this young uh, person that has a uh, broken leg, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. Heal up, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Yeah. And... Uh, I have always had a tradition in the classes I've taught that if I know it's somebody's birthday, we sing happy birthday. So we're going to sing happy birthday. (laughs) I'm not going to lead, however. (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ed. Happy birthday to you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, this morning we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Uh, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the, the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression and, or, or disobedience reserves, receives just retribution, <clears throat> how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It, it was declared at first by the Lord, it was attested to, the, to, to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according, uh, distributed according to his will. So he begins off, the first word is, therefore, and I have a little saying, and whenever you see a therefore in, text, in the text of Scripture, you ask, what is it there for? Mm-hmm. I think most of, some of you know that one. But at any rate, at any rate uh, so why is it there? It's there? It's there simply because... He wants, normally, a therefore refers right back to the immediate context, in which this case, the immediate context would, would be that angels are ministering spirits. I don't think that's really what the idea of the therefore here is. The therefore here refers back to the whole of chapter 1. It, talks, it goes back to what, what he has told us about Christ in chapter 1. All those things he's, he's enumerated in chapter 1. Uh, to what we have heard. That's what we're to pay close attention to. What we have heard. What do we hear? We heard that Jesus is the one who spoke for God. We heard that he's the son. He's the heir of all things. He's the creator. He's the radiance of God's glory. He is God's exact nature. He is the, he is the sustainer of the universe. The one who has made per, per, uh, (laughs) I started to say perfection. I meant purification for sin. Uh, he, uh, he's the one that is seated at the right hand of God. He is the king. He's worshiped by angels. He's the eternal one and he's the judge. All of those things were enumerated in, in chapter 1. Therefore, based on who Jesus Christ is and all that he is, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That's, that's, what, that's what the therefore is there for. Uh, that we would we would understand that we are talking about the Christ that he is he is explained to us in chapter one. Therefore, based on that, based on that, we must pay close attention. This is a uh, an emphatic kind of word. It means uh, it means to uh, 
It means to pay very careful attention to what was heard about Jesus. That's what he's saying here. What you've heard about Jesus, pay close attention to it. Take it in. Uh, comprehend it. Understand it. Think on it. These, these kind of things are involved here. And he says the reason for that, the reason that it's important you, you focus on what you've heard about Jesus is so that you don't drift away. This word also can be uh, translated slip, uh, that you don't drift or you don't slip away. Uh, the teaching of Jesus, in other words, what he's saying here is, don't let the teaching about Jesus go one in one ear and out the other one. I think a lot of us do that once in a while. My wife accuses of me quite often uh, that uh, I'm not listening as going in one ear and out the other, uh, which sometimes is true. But nevertheless, that's what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to do that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When you, when you teach a class or when you preach in the auditorium in there, and you're looking out over the audience, you kind of see what everybody's doing, whether you guys know it or not. The guy standing up front knows what you're doing. And because he looks around, if he has any experience at all, he looks around. If he's brand new, he's stuck to his notes. But, but, uh, uh, but he looks around, and he sees what's going on. And in two of the past churches I've been in, there were two men that just stood out to me. Because they typify this right here. They typify people who just let it go in one ear and out the other. The one guy, he was a, he was a local businessman. He's, he's passed now. Uh, he was a local businessman. He was a contractor. He was a very honest, upright guy. His wife was devoted to the church. He couldn't have it. He could care less. He could just care less. Now, he let her give because he thought it was a benefit for him, probably tax-wise. Uh, uh, he, he gave to the church. I mean, he, he came in and did work for us and all kinds of things. And he probably heard more gospel messages than most people. But it all went in one ear and out the other. And his comment was, I've lived a good life, I'm an honest man, and God will take me on my terms. Simply doesn't happen. Simply does not happen. The other guy, he was a little bit different. He really typified this. This guy's lady, or wife, brought him to church every Sunday. He was in adult Sunday school every Sunday morning. And I swear to you, this is the way he sat through class. Every week. And he went into eternity that way. That's what this is talking about. Don't sit there... Listen to the gospel and let it go in this ear and out this one or the other way, whichever side of the auditorium you're sitting on. Don't don't let that happen. That's that's what that's what he's saying here. Don't let it slip away. Now these these words that he uses here to give attention to and to drift away are, are really kind of interesting words. They have they they have several different usages. But one of their usages, and I think maybe the reason the translators translated the word drift, is they have a nautical connotation. Uh, they're used in shipping. Uh, to give attention to is, is a word that, is, uh, that has the main idea uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to turn one's mind to a thing uh, and to act upon what, what has been perceived. That's, that's the idea. That's the basic meaning of this word. But in its nautical usage, it means to tie a ship up to the dock, 
That's, that's what it means. It means when you, you come in, I don't know much about sailing, but at any rate, I, I do know that if you've got to tie this boat to the dock when you, when you get there. And uh, uh, it was kind of, we, we took a cruise one time, and it was kind of interesting to watch them tying that great big ship to the dock. You know, they had winches and pulleys and all kinds of things to make sure that boat didn't go anywhere. So when it was time to leave, it was still there. <laughs> the word drift away is the other side of that. It's the idea of somebody neglected to throw the rope on shore, and the boat just kept going. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, make sure you're tied to the gospel message. That you don't allow it to slip away. That you don't just say, oh, tomorrow's another day. Uh, I'll worry about that later. Whatever it is that's in the thinking of your mind. That's what this text, that's what this warning is saying. Don't make, make sure you're tied to the dock and you don't just drift into eternity, into a Christless eternity. That's what, that's what he's telling them here. That's the idea that he's, that he's trying to get here. Uh, an example of, of uh, what we're talking about is not the drifting away, but the acting, uh, the acting upon is found in Acts chapter 16, verse, verse 14 where uh, 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 Paul has encountered Lydia. And it says here, One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The, God. the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what, what Paul was saying. And then it goes on to say she was baptized in her whole family that came to Christ. That's the idea here. Pay close attention. Not just pay attention to it, but act upon what is perceived. That's the idea. Don't let it drift by. Don't let the dock go out of sight. Tie yourself to Christ. That's what he's, that's what he's saying to them in, in, this, uh, in this part of the text. Then he moves on, and he, he comes to another part of the text, and he, he, gives a, he continues this warning, and it's because of the reality of judgment. Judgment is sure, verse 2. For since the... <clears throat> For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience receives a just retribution. Well, that's talking about judgment. Uh, that's, uh, that's the idea here. Now, keep in mind, the book of Hebrews is being written to Hebrews. That's its primary audience. I'm sure there's Gentiles involved, too. But the primary audience is Jewish people, people with a Jewish background. Probably uh, Jewish people who lived in the Greco-Roman world, not in Jerusalem, which is why they use the Septuagint for the Old Testament. That's probably who it's written to. We can't say that definitively, but probably that's the reality. So here he's speaking about here he is speaking about the Old Testament. Those are the scriptures he's talking about. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures, and he's talking about the reception of the Old Testament. Uh, scriptures. And once again, he's not really talking to save people directly here. He's talking to the Jewish population in general. And he's, he's reminding them about the scriptures. And the first thing, the first thing he says about them is he says, since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, uh, the message here is, is in Greek is the word logos, which is word, or it could be a series of words. It's the spoken word. Uh, it's it's a it's a statement. All of those kind of things apply to it. When it's applied to God, it means the Word of God. John one one. In the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, of course, we go on to find out that Word is Jesus Christ, of course. Uh, But that's the idea here. It's applied to the Gospel in Acts uh, chapter 4. Uh, verse 4, and in Acts chapter 8, verse, verse 4. In both of those places, it's, a tie, it's tied to the revelatory message of God. And of course, Jesus is that final revelation of God. So here the message is focusing on, on the Old Testament, and in particular, it's focusing on the law. That's what it's really talking about here. Not so much the prophets and the historical books and, and uh, the poetic books, but here it's talking about the five books of Moses. It's talking about the law. It's talking about what was given. Well, actually, it's Exodus through. But uh, it's, talking about the, it's talking about the books that were given to Moses. It's talking about the encounter at Sinai. That's the, that's the thrust that is being spoken of uh, in this particular test, test, uh, text. And he's connecting them. Uh, he's connecting that law uh, with a major part of the law. The law talked about how we would live or how the Jewish people were to live in the presence of holy God. That was, that's, what it, that's what it addressed. And it addressed it in a, in, in, a, in a manner of giving rules and regulations and what happens if you don't follow them. Uh, the consequences. Uh, that's, that's, what it, that's what the law did. Uh, so he talks about transgressions, disobedience, and retribution. And he says that that word was reliable. Now, you're going to say, wait a minute, didn't God talk directly to the burning bush? Didn't he talk to the glory of God? Didn't the the revelation come from God? Yes, it did. However, according to according to Psalms 68, 17, uh, angels accompanied that delivery. In the Psalms, it speaks about them chariots of angels coming. In Deuteronomy 32.2, it says myriads of angels, which meant a whole big bunch of them. It's, they're an innumerable amount. And Stephen, in his message in Acts 7.38, declared that angels witnessed the giving of the law. And in chapter, and, excuse me, and in verse 53, he says the law was ordained by angels. In other words, angels were a witness to the giving of the law. They stand as a testimony that this is indeed the word of God. That's basically what he's saying here. They're the witness to the law. Uh, And so as a result, that means the law is binding because it is reliable. It is the word of God. It is to be received as such. It is to be acted on as such. That's, That's what he's saying here. He says, for since the message declared by angels proves to be reliable. Uh, That's, that's, that's what he's trying to get across to them. This is the message God gave. And he's talking particularly about Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Those are primarily the books that are in focus at that point. And then he says, he says, he talks about transgressions and disobedience. Now, there's a, they both define sin, but they define it, define it from two different angles. The first one, transgressions, is a word that means to step across the line, like, Here's the line in the deal. You know, you step across it. That's the idea. It's to step across the line. <clears throat> and it's to step across the line as a willful act. That's, that's, what, it's, that's what it's talking about here. And, it's, and it's, it's also a word that means to do what you know is wrong. To simply just act upon it anyway. 
to know you're not supposed to do something and do it anyway. You know, that's, that's, that's exactly what it means. I suspect all of us have done that at one time or another. You know, we've crossed the line. In this case, God is the one who drew the line. And it's saying, you decided, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. It's taking your fist and shaking the face of God and says, I'll do it my way. That's, that's what this word means. That's, that's the idea. It's willful sin. I'm going to do it and I don't care. That's, that's, that's the idea here. It's, it's sins of commission. You just simply decide you're going to do it and I don't care who doesn't like it. That's, that's really the way, the way this, this word is, is, uh, is, 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 is used here. It's those kinds of transgressions. Now, disobedience is a little bit different. Disobedience has the idea of having a defect in hearing. Now, it doesn't mean you're deaf. It means you turn it off. That's what it means. It means you decide to just not listen. It just means you're going to ignore everything. That, that's what this word means. It means to just simply not pay any attention to anything and just do your own thing. That's, that's really the idea here. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shutting off your hearing. It's an ignoring. It's a tuning out. That, that's the idea behind this word. It's not, it's not really so much a willful act. It's just, eh, I'm not paying any attention to this. That's, that's really what it, what it, what it uh, amounts to. It, it's a sin of neglect. It's neglecting to know what you ought to do. Which incidentally isn't an excuse. You know, it just isn't an excuse. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, either way, whether it's just you didn't really know and you weren't paying attention and you just did something, or whether you just said, I don't care what the law is, I'm going to do it anyway. You know, I just, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And he says, from that, he goes on, he says, he says they receive their just retribution. And this is the warning to people, listen, if you shut off your hearing or if you willfully will not accept the gospel, ultimately here, because that's the context, he says, if you won't accept Christ, if you won't accept his sacrifice, if you won't accept who he is, or if you just ignore all of the teaching, you're going to face your just retribution. That's punishment. Now understand, once again, he's not talking to believers here. He's not telling believers that if you're not paying attention, if you fall asleep in your Sunday school class because the guy's boring, or I don't know how you could fall asleep in the morning service, but if you do, if you do, it doesn't mean you're going to hell. That's not what this means. It, it means if you ignore the truth of the gospel or you willfully reject the truth of the gospel, then you're going to face eternal damnation. That's the ultimate line here. That's the, that's the, the idea here. Uh, it's sin and punishment. The law is filled with them. There were, it, were, there were, it was full of reminders about what the punishment was. You murder, you get stoned. You blaspheme God, you get stoned. You know? Could you imagine if those laws were kept today, you wouldn't be able to drive down the street for the rock piles. Yeah. 
you know. That's, that's ultimately the idea here. I had an uh, Old Testament survey prof, and when we came to the book of Leviticus, he said, and I, I, this is stuck in my mind because I think it's, uh, it's an excellent, he said, Leviticus could have been named How Sinful Man Can Live in the Presence of Holy God. That's what this book is. It's told Israel, sinful men, how they could live in the presence of their holy God. That's, that's what these books were about. We have to keep in mind that Romans 3.23 says that all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And 6.23 of Romans says, and the wages of sin are death. That's, that's the idea here. Uh, that's what, that's what the, the author of Hebrews is trying to remind the Jewish people. Hey, there's a law. There's a lawgiver, and there is a consequence to ignoring the law. So that's what he's telling him here. He says, this was a reliable message that you received, and it told you that sin was punished. You need to remember that. You need to keep that in mind. You need to not shut your hearing off, and you need to not willfully, willfully reject the gospel. Um, my uh, younger brother, I have two brothers, one's 17 and a half, 18 years younger than I am. The other one's just three and a half years younger. So he, he just turned 70, I guess it was. And he, uh, he's had a varied career. Um, he, was, uh, he was on LAPD for a little while. He was vice president of the Automobile Club, and he was CEO of the Midnight Mission in Los Angeles. Uh, he's had a life of various functions and community service. He's a member of the Cal State uh, Board of Regents. He's on the Shrine Hospital Board. Uh, he's a member of the L.A. County and City uh, Homeless uh, Advisory Panel or whatever they are uh, to, the, to the government down there. Uh, and I, I don't know, he's been on a bunch of other things too. Uh, his, uh, his religion is Freemasonry. Uh, he was the, uh, what do they call him? Uh, grand, some you know, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Flintstones. Anyway, they didn't wear horns either. They wore these. Well, now he's a shriner. They wear fizzes, but I don't get it. But uh, but at any rate, uh, um, all of this stuff he's done in his life, you know, and is still doing. And we were having a discussion one day, and he told me, "I'm not afraid to die. I can stand before God with what I've done with my life." Sorry, Larry, it ain't going to happen. It breaks my heart, but it isn't going to happen. And only the grace of God can change him because he's stuck in his ways. And he thinks, I've done everything the way it should be done. And he's done a lot of good, humanly speaking. But it won't count for God. that's, That's the thing here. God is the one who sets the rules. Why should we think any other way? He's the one who created. He's the one who sustains. He's the one that provided salvation. Why shouldn't he tell you how it's done? That's the bottom line here. And that's what the the author of Hebrews is trying to get across. He's trying to get that across. Look, we have a reliable word. And that reliable word tells us there are rules. And if you break those rules, there is punishment. Don't neglect it. Don't let it slip away. 
And then he moves on to talk about the witness of God in verses 3 and 4. And he says here, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. And incidentally, this is the place where things change a little bit. In chapter 1, Jesus is the Son. In chapter 2, Jesus is the Lord. It's just a little change in emphasis there. In the first one, he's the Son of God and all that entails. Here, he's the Lord, the one we bow to. I lost my place. Uh, uh, first declared by, first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according, uh, distributed according to his will. Uh, the we here is emphatic, uh, which means it, uh, it has the, the idea of those of us who hold a privileged position. That's kind of the idea here. And he's not using this to talk about saved people in general. He's talking about Hebrews. And he's saying, you know, we had a very privileged position as Hebrews. We were the chosen of Abraham. Uh, we were the ones who received the law and the prophets. That's, that's what he's trying to say when he uses this word, we. Uh, we had the truth in our hand. And the truth told us about Messiah and who he was. And we should have seen him. We had passages like Isaiah 53. Uh, and we should have recognized him. In fact, if you read Matthew carefully, there is the hint uh, that perhaps the religious leaders did know and rejected it anyway because he was messing up the echo, uh, the economic system and the political system. It wasn't going the way they wanted it to go. And so he says, we had this position, we heard, we, we, we had it. Uh, and he says, how shall we escape having had that position? That's kind of a kind of a strong a strong statement there uh, you know uh, we ha- we held all of this in our hands how are we going to escape if we throw it away is really the idea and he's going to give three uh, he's going to give uh, three uh, wit- uh, he's going to give three re- or three this is the third reason that God is a witness and out of this he's going to give us three witnesses uh, in this statement but he says he asks this question he says if you neglect The salvation that God has offered. If you decide to do that, like my brother has, or like these two men who have gone into eternity without Christ that I mentioned before, if you make that decision, he goes, how are you going to escape what's to come? In other words, how are you going to escape hell? That's the question he's asking him. He's saying, if you're just going to neglect this, if you're going to say, I don't need it. God will take me as I am. He's going to take me on my terms. Can you imagine the arrogance of standing before holy God's judgment seat and saying, hey, you need to let me in because I'm a good guy. I don't think anybody's going to do that. I think they're going to know who they were. But can you imagine that? That's the arrogance that is being expressed in that statement. I can stand before God and tell him how great I am. 
I don't think he's going to listen. But he says, if, if you had this position, how did you, how do we escape? How do we escape? How do we not drift off into a Christless eternity if we, if we ignore the salvation message? Acts 4, 12. This is a case where Peter has healed someone and he stands before the rulers and gives a testimony that it's done by the power of Jesus Christ. And in 12, he says this, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved. There is only one way. There is only one way. I don't know if, uh, I don't think it's still there anymore. I haven't been down that way or I haven't looked in a while. But on Truxton Avenue, there was a unity church. And they had a big sign out front. It said, one God, many ways. No, they were wrong. One God, one way. Acts 4.12. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. How, if we, if we just neglect so great a salvation, and he uses the word great before it to emphasize that no other means man has derived for salvation can come close to it because it can't save. You know, works isn't going to save you. You know, worshiping pagan gods isn't going to save you. Uh, living a good life isn't going to save you. Declaring yourself righteous isn't going, to, isn't going to save you. Only Jesus Christ is going to save you. And he says, here are the three witnesses then to this, to this, uh, to this testimony. He says, first of all, <clears throat> first of all, is declared first by the Lord. It was declared by, by the Lord. Uh, announced is, a, is, a, is an unusual New Testament word. It's only the only other place that's really used this particular word to announce, uh, to give an announcement, um, is in, in Luke uh, chapter eight, uh, 18, verse 9, where Jesus is, uh, at the conversion of Zacharias, Jesus announces, today salvation has come. And the, the literal word in the Greek that is used there is, is the same word here that is translated announced. Uh, it, uh, uh, and he goes on to say, for the, in verse 10, he goes on to say, For the Son of Man has come uh, to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, that's, that's what Jesus announced. That's the idea here. Salvation has come to your house today, Zacchaeus, for that's the purpose Jesus came, to seek and save that which is lost. That's what the first coming was all about. Um, and, and it, uh, it, says, it says, by him, literally it probably should be through him. It implies that salvation originated with God. That's where, that's, it's his plan. He's the one that put it together. Incidentally, he put it together before the earth was created. Uh, he knew he was going to save you before, before, uh, before you ever existed. That's, that's a thought that uh, boggles my mind. Uh, when when we were, you know, I, I guess most of you know this that that uh, uh, we uh, we had to disband Grace Community Church of Bakersfield over on Taft Highway, and uh, Warren and I are the guys that got stuck with that task, and we're still in the process. Uh, but uh, um, I was talking to uh, one of the guys at the seminary was helping me find people who could assist us in that in that process, and and I said to the guy, I said, you know, I. I preached the final sermon 
on a church that opened in 1939. And the guy said, wow. And then he said, you know, in 1939, God knew you were going to preach that. Well, I wasn't born until 1948. So, you know, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's God. That's sovereignty. You know, that's who, we ex- that's, that's who we operate under, a sovereign God. Jesus 10, uh, 1030 said, I and the Father are one. That's the announcement. That's what it's saying here. Jesus was the first. He was the one who announced salvation. He was the one who announced salvation has come today. He is the one that announced that he had come to seek and save. That was lost. That was his purpose in the first coming. And he is the one that announced that I am the great. I am Yahweh, the son. I and the father are one. That's what that means. And then it says, secondly, it was confirmed by those who heard. Well, who he's talking about here. He's talking about the apostolic band. That's who he's talking about here. Those original hearers, those men who received the message, who received the training and the teaching under Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's who he's talking to here. The men whom the Holy Spirit used to give us the New Testament. Of course, all of it hadn't been written at this point. He, he says that, that's, that's, that's who. Uh, they're, they're the ones who attested to or confirmed. This is an interesting, an interesting word. It's a legal term. It's a very technical legal term. And it means to designate properly guaranteed security. It's a lot of words to describe. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that nobody can break. That, that's, that's the idea behind it. These are guaranteed statements that came from these guys. That's, that's what they're trying to get across here. And he talks about them as being eyewitnesses, 2 Timothy 2.2 2 and 2 Peter 1.16. They were eyewitnesses to the events. They're reliable. They have a guaranteed account of what they saw and what they heard and who Jesus was and is and is to come. Those are, those are the ideas that, that they're expressing in this context. He's saying, he's saying Jesus was first to announce it. The apostolic band gave us a confirmation of it. They gave us the saving message, the gospel. They said it was guaranteed, and they attested to that. And then thirdly, he says, God himself is witness. He says, God also bore witness. Jesus, Jesus said that, that God the Father was a witness. Uh, John 5, 37. Matthew 3, uh, 16 through 17. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens op- uh, were opened to him, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove, and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There's the declaration of who Jesus is by God himself. That's kind of a triple theopony, you know. That you have the incarnate Son, the Holy Spirit as a as a descending dove and the voice of God, all in the same place. The fullness of the Godhead is the picture there. 
testifying that this is Jesus. He says that through the apostles, God gave witness by signs and wonders and miracles, actually through Jesus as well. Um, these three words speak of the miraculous. All three of them, they, they really don't have separate definitions so much. The, the signs or the actions that they did, wonders, or speak of the miraculous uh, uh, circumstance in which they were performed, and they were miracles. That's, that's the bottom line. They were supernatural acts uh, beyond human capability is the is really the idea that is being expressed in all of this uh, they were power that proved that the preaching was not of human origin yes I'm sorry so just so those who heard that's the the apostles yep and and then they are the ones Doing the signs, wonders, and various miracles. Well, God does them through. Yeah, the God did. God did them, but He did them through Through them. them. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's the idea. He testified by giving signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's that's the idea here. Thank you. Okay. So, at any rate, they they uh, um, uh, this was to 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 show that it was not of human origin. In other words, these guys couldn't do this. They couldn't do it. They didn't have the ability to do it. Uh, no one does. This was only something God could do, and that—that's—that's that's what they're trying to. That's what—that's what the author is trying to say here. Uh, the The idea here, uh, incidentally, miracles literally means mighty works. Um, the idea here was a demonstration of godly power. Uh, the mighty works were a demonstration of the of the power of God through these men. Uh, he di- he did it through them and through Jesus as well in his incarnation, because Jesus in his incarnation didn't work of his own; he worked through the Holy Spirit. That's 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 all the point here. And he says he says uh, he says they did these mighty works. In John, the idea of signs is used uh, is used to stress uh, to to stress the meaning. In other words, in other words, in John, whenever you see a miracle, and there's only I think it's six of them. Uh, that he uh, that he speaks of, uh, when John does that in his gospel, he's using the miracle to stress the gospel teaching that he's presenting. the The miracle is not there for its own benefit; it's there to stress the doctrine that is being explained, the teaching that is being explained, uh, and that's that's what miracles are for. They're to authenticate. That's that was their whole point. They were to authenticate. These were men of God bringing God's message. That's, that's what this text is saying. They bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gift of the Holy Spirit because it was through him that they were done. It was through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the gift giver. Uh, he gives gifts to all of us today as well. And, and, it, and it goes on to explain that, that they're distributed according to his will. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Paul in Acts uh, eighteen fifteen through 19, he speaks of his ministry from Jerusalem to Iconium. And he says, it was accompanied by signs and wonders as Christ worked through him in the power of the Spirit. And Paul says, I didn't have the ability to do it. You know, uh, how did I carry out this ministry? You know, sometimes I wonder that. I wonder, how did that guy do all the stuff he did? You know? 
You know, all of the all the abuse that he took everywhere he went and he kept going. How did he do it? He did it because God was God energized him through the spirit to get it done. Because he had a mission for him and Paul listened to it and he did what he was supposed to do. How did he work the miracles? The spirit did it through him. He didn't do it. He, didn't, he wasn't taking credit for it. He was giving the credit to the one who empowered him to do it. Uh, through the power of the Spirit, he says. And he says there are various gifts of the Holy Spirit by his will. In other words, they're not of human design. You don't decide that you're going to work miracles. You don't decide that I'm going to be John the miracle worker today. Uh, and if you think I am, you need to go somewhere else because uh, it ain't going to work. Uh, but but the, but but it, the idea here is that God, by His will, authorized certain men through the Spirit to perform certain works that authenticated, that gave that guarantee that we talked about in the previous verses to the Word. That's that's what He's saying here, and He did it in different ways. It wasn't always the same. It wasn't, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a package deal. He had different ways he did it. You know, Jesus sometimes healed people by just speaking to them, sometimes by touching them. Sometimes he put mud on their face. You know? It wasn't those things that did it. It was the power of God by his spirit that did, did the miraculous. But he says in various ways. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a one size fits all kind of deal, which demonstrates it wasn't by human design, and that's the point he's trying to get across here. None of this was by human design. We didn't receive this because human beings thought it up. We received it through the Spirit by the power of God, and it was accompanied by authentication, and it's guaranteed. And so the question then becomes, why then would we neglect so great a salvation? Why would we turn away from it? Why would we close our ears to it and just let it drift by? That's what he's saying to these Hebrews. He's saying, look, you have the privileged position of having the law. And you know what the law had to say. And you heard Jesus or you've heard of Jesus, and you've heard the testimony about Jesus, and we've given the evidence about Jesus, don't let it drift by. Don't neglect it, because there is no other way. Ultimately, that's what the, that's what the author is warning on here. He's saying, don't let the moment pass. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the acceptable day. Father God, we, uh, we thank you this morning. We thank you for this text. We thank you for the warning, because even for those of us who are, are yours, uh, we have a tendency to sometimes neglect what is right and what we ought to do. And, and this can be for us a reminder to keep our walk right before you, to keep ourselves honorable before you, to keep ourselves right with you. Uh, that we would be that reflector to those who are hearing the gospel message, 
that we would be a, in effect, a walking, visible gospel message to them, and and that we would keep our lives straight. But we pray, the Lord, uh, especially for those who have who have heard the message, who come into our assembly or come into our presence, and we share the gospel with them, that they would hear it and act upon it and not let it just drift away. And the name of Jesus would be glorified in all of this, and God would be honored, and we would thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.